Welcome to 5050 Films. I'm Peter. And I'm Autumn. And this week, you had the more violent movie. Yeah, I guess so. Yes. After all these weeks of Autumn complaining about how all my movies are so violent and it's just white people attacking each other, we watched uh, Marvel's Eternals, which is not white people attacking each other. Well, I guess Icarus is white and he attacks a lot of people. Anyway. Yeah, I feel like Marvel doesn't count as being, like, quote-unquote, more violent because we want... It's like, I need, like, a hot second to, like, kind of get in the right headspace because you'll hear in our media break, but we, like, just, like, I'm talking, like, ten minutes ago finished Moon Knight, the show, and so I need to, like, mentally get myself back to Eternals because I'm already, like, way away from this. But this movie is about the Eternals, which are essentially these beings that supposedly have come from the planet Olympia to protect the Earth. They've been there this whole time that all this stuff in the MCU has happened that we know about Infinity War, Endgame. They were there for all of them, did nothing. The reasoning for that being that they are only supposed to fight these creatures called Deviants. That is the only thing that they are allowed to do everything else they have to leave up to humanity so they even ask in the movie like uh hello where were you guys during the whole thing with thanos and they say like that's not our job the movie starts off with the character cersei who is living with another character sprite eventually cersei's ex-boyfriend icarus shows up and we get this kind of back and forth timeline of an explanation of how all of the Eternals are now separated. They had been together, they had fought together, and supposedly had eliminated all of the Deviants. So their leader, Ajak, which is played by Selma Hayek, that she says, now go off and live your life and we'll see each other again. So they all go off and kind of do their own thing. Um, One of the characters is a big Bollywood star. The other one goes off and starts his own family. Um, And as they discover in this movie that some of the deviants are back, they have to find each other, band together, and fight those deviants. Would you say that's a pretty good summary? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. So we went from Earth's mightiest heroes in the Avengers to Earth's laziest heroes in the, the Eternals. Um, and you know, the, the, the whole, I, I, my, my main nitpick about the concept that these like ultra powerful heroes have been on earth the whole time Mm -hmm. is that they're like, Oh, we decided, or we weren't allowed to interfere in the affairs of man basically. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, well, I would say that Thanos Killing half of the universe in an instant. A little bit beyond the affairs of man. Yeah, it's, not the, it's not the same as, like, they show, you know, wars and stuff. Like, okay, we can't get involved in their wars. Yeah, we can't get involved in their wars. It's like, I'm pretty sure the Thanos war was more... I mean, Earth did apparently the most about it, but, like, come on. You yeah. know? Um, and, like... Uh, just the idea of half of the half the life in the universe ceasing to exist and the whole concept of 
in this movie how we're just trying to make more Celestials. Like, half of the Celestials would have ceased to exist. So it would have made sense for Arashem, the main Celestial bad guy, boogaloo guy, goof, goofball, goo-doo-y. Uh, he just, like... He, why would he not assign all the Eternals to help fight Thanos if Thanos is going to just drop half the Celestials that exist? Because they did say that this set back... Oh, it just, it just paused a bunch of things yeah, for them. Because the whole idea of the Celestials is that they're created by a planet reaching a certain population, and then that can be fueled into the planet, like, imploding in on itself and creating a celestial being, which this is really the Eternals' job. Uh, they have to kill the Deviants, because if not, the Deviants will kill the people, and yeah. then there won't be a big enough population. So that is the truth, but what's kept from them, what Ajax knows, and then we eventually, Cersei discovers, and we find out Icarus knew all along, was that they're saving Earth so that all of these people can die yes. anyway. So that's a major plot point, um, that kind of moral dilemma of we're saving all of these people just so they can be food. Yeah. The Deviants were originally sent out first to eliminate all the predators on a planet so that humans, or so whatever sentient species on that planet can, like, prosper. But the Deviants... Um, broke their programming and like started to actually like evolve like a species and then didn't want to just die anymore um, which is reasonable one um, thing I liked about this movie was that kind of play on how the audience will view the deviants yeah. like they kind of make you feel sympathy towards them at the end um, which I really enjoyed it's not like a straight these people are bad and these people are good because the Eternals think they're doing good and then later find out they're actually destroying worlds and having their memories wiped every single time. So that's there's a big moral dilemma at the heart of this movie once they find that out. Yeah. We both rated this entertaining. I stand by that. That's maybe one of the easiest ratings I've given this year. Yeah, it was fine. It was. For me, the, the main yeah. thing was... If this was just its own movie, and yeah. there weren't the little asides to, like, oh, now that Iron Man and Captain America are gone, who's going to lead the Avengers? Or, you know, the comment about Thanos, why didn't you guys... If that hadn't been there and this had just been its own thing, I think I could have enjoyed it a lot more. Because it did not really feel like part of that universe to me. It felt very separate. So whenever someone made an offhand comment like that, and they were offhand, because this is its own thing. But it's like, if we want this to be in the same world, we have to address these things. But it just, like, was very jarring to me, the way they brought those things up. And my brain was almost like, oh, yeah, this is supposed to fit in there. Yeah. Whereas I would have been perfectly happy if it just <laughs> didn't. And this was just its own movie. I think I would have maybe even liked it more. Yeah. I think... I mean, I really liked that some of the characters, like, some of the Eternals are pretty cool, you know? Um, I love the fact that they really leaned into Kamel as the, uh, comedic relief. Kamel yeah. and his, or Kamel, you know, Kingo. Yep. Of course. And, uh, Arjun, his, uh, his valet. He was, was my favorite guy, Absolutely too. hilarious, yeah. Just this, this, like, 
overweight old Indian guy following them around, or Pakistani or wherever he is. He's a Bollywood star, so I'm assuming Indian. Um, just like <laughs> following all these superheroes around <laughs> with a shitty camcorder to try to like make a <laughs> a documentary. Yeah. A documentary, yeah. I have heard that there are references, just like in passing, chatting references to Kingo and Miss Marvel, and I have not actually seen Miss Marvel yet or any of the episodes that are out. But I've heard that they like they they talk about him like as like a he's like a joke. Or he's not a joke, but he's like a reference. Okay. They reference him because, I don't know, I guess her mom likes his movies his or something, movies. of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, so I'm excited to hear the, for those references when, yeah. I, when we see that show eventually. And this has a decent cast. There are a lot of, like, recognizable people. Um, we were most excited to see Camille. Uh, but there's also Kit Harrington, Angelina Jolie, Selma Hayek, which I mentioned. A lot of really well-known people yes uh, i was pumped for kid harrington uh i like kid harrington a lot because he played the main antagonist in one of my favorite call of duty campaigns and, I, and it was very entertaining it's very entertaining to see him and stuff i don't like i'm, I'm not a huge game of thrones fan I, I think it's dumb but uh it is not okay i game of thrones is bad see i would the look... books might have been great i haven't read them i you I, don't I, know i know this i know that i know the show like takes a massive shit in the last season and actually, but you've never in the last couple seasons, it. I think I've heard. Yeah, I watched most of the last season of Game of Thrones. And everyone was That's watching it at though. school when it was out. <laughs> yeah, and everyone was complaining about it the whole time. And then going, man, the first like four seasons of this show were awesome, and now it's just garbage. I would anyway, love, I would love to get into Game of Thrones. As a side note, like I would probably read the books though because yeah. I saw one episode and it was somebody getting like disemboweled mm-hmm. and. If you listen to this podcast, you know I can't handle that. So <laughs> yeah, there's some really nasty shit in those, those that show. Anyway, so a lot of these characters, yeah. these well-known actors, are playing characters who have names based in mythology, mm-hmm. which I liked. It didn't take not Kit Harrington though. He's a psychic. yeah. He's he's not an eternal. Um, but I liked that they had these mythologically based names. Mm-hmm. They the idea was that that's how the the mythology developed was because these people don't die they're all they're eternal they're always there so um angelina jolie plays athena who is where athena comes from and all angelina jolie yes recognize her with the white hair i guess peter only one person on this planet has those cheekbones (laughs) it was clearly angelina jolie okay okay. Um, i didn't realize it was salma hayek until the cast list when you were in the bathroom at one point in the movie I was like, all right, I guess I figure out the cast to see if we recognized Icarus from anywhere, I think it was. Yeah. And uh, no, don't, but Tom Hayek, I recognize. Lots of other people, yeah. Yeah. It is, going back to what I said about how this just, like, didn't feel quite Marvel to me, I do have a note here just being like, imagine you're a well-known actor like Angelina Jolie, and you're being asked to be in a Marvel movie, and of course you're not going to turn that down, because, like, at this point it's such a huge thing. And make a lot of money. This is the one they ask you to do. Like, I f- we would like you to play a char- Athena. Athena? No, no, Athena in a in a B movie esque like little letter B, not the B movie with uh, <laughs> with, with the bees. Yeah, with um, yeah. Anyway, uh. <sighs> And then, like, and then to go, like, oh, yeah, and she's also kind of nuts. 
Um, but she's she's good at fighting because she is she's what inspired the Athena legends. And you're like yeah, goddess of war and all that. Okay, <laughs> who, who are my co-stars? Well, Camille's gonna steal the show, and like, why am I here? He even he even leaves halfway through. He, he like, leaves right before the final fight. Yeah, yeah. there is this big um, fight within them where Icarus knows that the planet's going to be destroyed. He's known all along. Cersei just discovered this. She's chosen to be Ajax's replacement. We learned that Icarus had killed Ajax. She had told him that she didn't want to do this anymore, that they'd done it over and over again, and it just didn't feel right. So she picks Cersei as her replacement, and it's basically everyone is just kind of picking sides. Sprite goes with Icarus. Everyone else goes with Cersei, and Kingo is like this... I don't know. And so he just kind of kind Kingo, of leaves. Kingo says that he's he's um like he like ideologically he's on Icarus's side. Like he he like while he loves Earth, he can't he can't deny the birth of the celestial because it would it just it's like so many billions of lives in the future that they're preventing essentially. Right. Cuz the celestials so, like, keep the universes going. So like he's like I can't like I I can't I, I agree with him, and I, I can't, like, help you guys. But also, I don't... I'm not going to hurt any of you because you're my family. And I'm yeah. not I'm not doing that. So I'm just going to... He, like, recuses himself, essentially. Which, I mean, they, they, they do well enough without him, so it's fine. And I think, honestly, I respect that as a character choice. They're like, well, he's going to agree with them, but he's going to leave. Because he's not going to... Like, if they had had him fucking side with Icarus and then attack them, I would have been pissed off. It just doesn't match his character. And you would think, like, realistically, this this makes sense, that someone would be so torn. Just like um, Fastos, who has created his own family on Earth, he has a husband, he has a son, like, obviously he's going to side with Cersei and try to save the planet because he has created a family, and if the Celestial consumes Earth, then his family will die. So, like, that makes sense for him. Hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the actual good part about this movie, which was um, the after credit scenes. <laughs> I only remember the one with Harry Styles. You know what? <laughs> what so, was the other one? So, in... And there's two after credit scenes. The one after credit scene is Harry Styles showing up and going, My name's Star Fox. Barrel roll. Um, and then he... Uh, not, not that not that Star Fox, but um, and actually it's Slippy that tells you to do the barrel roll. It doesn't matter. Uh, he <laughs> and like he shows up. He's like ah, fellow Eternals, and there's this Pip played by Patton Oswalt, who's this dwarf looking guy with a beer stein, and it's just like oh, I, <laughs> what I don't know if this is gonna get a second movie because of how poorly it went in the box office, but like. I would, I would, that sounds more interesting than what we just watched. <laughs> like, See, I would be very okay if they were just like, skirt, like, let's put the brakes on this one and uh, just and keep stop, going. Yeah. What I do want to continue, though, is I do, I want Kit Harrington's Black Knight to be a series. And I don't know if it's going to be, but that would it be better a great be, because that would be yeah. really cool. I mean, why wouldn't you give Kit Harrington the sword and sorcery treatment, you know? Make him Jon Snow again, but as the Black Knight suit on, right? Supposedly, Kit Harrington's character, um, can't remember what his name is. Dane. Dane. Dane? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember. I believe you. Is it on the list right there? Dane yeah. Whitman. Dane Whitman, who is in the comics, 
is Black Knight, a guy who comes into possession of a sword um, of Arthurian legend. It's his families, right? It's 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 yeah, passed down in his families. Um, so he is descendant of a knight from Arthurian legend. And I don't know if this sword is Excalibur or Caladbolg or one of the other ones, but um, it's you know one of those powerful swords and it gives him like I, th- I think the sword gives him a uh, sword or gives him armor or he makes his own armor but um uh, in the com- in the comics I think he's like a like not so competent like hero kind of guy where he's like kind of bumbly a little bit um but he like tries you know <laughs> tries his best which I mean matches up with what we've seen of Kit Harrington so far in this um he's a little bumbly <laughs> I mean he's a mortal so yeah he's by just Eternals. a normal guy yeah but anyway, I, I think that would be really interesting if they do a series like that. That would be a good show. If they can make it as good as they made, like, Moon Knight and some of these other shows we've seen, like, I'd be up for it, you know? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for these, these mini-series they've been doing. They that are been, like, so good. They've been, like, you know, fulfilling these little story bits. I almost like the mini-series that don't directly tie into the movies better. I have noticed the other that, ones. too. Yeah. Um, although I did really like WandaVision just because of how they did it cinematically. Um, and that was like, the first one, so it was just like yeah, there's always... they had to connect with stuff around people have been like, what? Um, but like, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for the uh, for like this these like six you know six episode series. I really hope they give Kit Harrington Black Knight and keep him with. Black I think Knight. that would be great. Just having had just watched Moon Knight, the idea of something like that one was based a lot in Egyptian mythology. The idea of like mm-hmm. having a six episode series around Arthurian legend would be very yeah. interesting. I think it gives them just enough time to like really dive into that because it's longer mm-hmm. than a movie. Yeah, it's but like, it's what, not five hours, four yeah, and a half hours. But it's like not so long that you're like, okay, I can't keep up anymore. It's like the perfect recipe for this sort of story. I think. So yeah, that would be really, really neat. If they do come out with a sequel for Eternals, which I, I do kind of expect that they will, but I I would definitely watch it. Yeah. Like I said, in, the biggest thing for me with this movie is it just does not feel like it fits with everything else. Yeah. But thinking of it as its own story, it was a solid movie. It was entertaining. Um, there were a lot of characters. I do kind of wish things were like... I don't know, split up or set up. I don't know what the answer would be, like, to to mess with the timelines differently, or I just didn't feel like I could connect to any characters, and I specifically felt like I couldn't connect to Cersei, and she was, like, our main character. Yeah, she was the main character. So that was just a little bit, like, it bothered me a little bit. Because it was almost like, okay, well, we showed you in the morning, she's in the morning, in the beginning. She's she's living in London, this is what she's doing. And then the rest of the time, we're just gonna, like, keep her as stock main character. Mm-hmm. So we can explain what's going on with everyone else. Yeah. I liked the concept of Sprite, who has been, like, made as a child, essentially. Oh, like her pain? How yeah. They, they, how they, they explored... For some reason, Arshem made her a kid, right? Yeah, and they, ex- they explored that well. I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has been in love with Icarus this whole time. And mentally, she is the same as all of these other people. Yes. But she's just trapped in a child's body. And at the end of the movie, Cersei is able to make her human. And she'll be able to just, like, grow up yeah. and live a normal life. And I did like that concept. Yeah. It's like... And they, they talk about how it is, like... A, that her being a child is, like, an actual issue for them. 
because all the rest of them just look like they're in their like late thirties, right? So as they don't age, they even show like Kingo has been doing these Bollywood movies for literally ever, and he just shows the posters, um, and he says like, "This is my great grandfather. This is my grandfather. This is my father, and this is me." But they're all him. Yeah, of he's course. just able to convince people that he's not that he's his own family essentially. Yeah. Sprite doesn't have that luxury. No. And they talk about how he ended up ditching her at some... They were hanging out for a while, and he ended up ditching her at some point because... It was hard to be around Because, or? yeah, after about five years, people start asking questions as to why she's not getting older. Mm-hmm. You know? And I felt like the amount of time they spent on that whole plot line was perfect. Yeah. It didn't, like, take over the whole movie, but obviously it was an issue that, like, needs to be addressed. Yeah. Because as an audience member, even, you're like how does this work for you? Like, this does not seem like it's a great idea. Why did this even happen? Which we don't really get that answer, but... Yeah. I think the most important thing that happens in this movie entirely, even beyond the after credit scenes, is that at some point, um, in Festus's house, they're trying to pretend like they weren't just eavesdropping on Festus's like, bedtime story of his child or whatever, mm-hmm. and one of them picks up a Star Wars book confirming that star wars is a fictional is a fictional concept inside of the marvel cinematic universe yeah wow. that was really funny yeah because disney owns everything now so they can just do whatever they want it's like uh it's like oh god in was it miss was it uh captain marvel when uh when Who's the Marvel guy? I can't think of his name. There are a lot of Marvel no, guys. No, the like Marvel guy. The guy. Stan Lee. Stan Lee. Peter, yeah. that's embarrassing. Hey, I might remember you saying Stephen King. I know it wasn't Stephen <laughs> King. But like, yeah, Stan Lee in Captain Marvel is reading the Jay and Silent Bob screenplay on the bus. <laughs> He's like going for an audition. And I was like, oh shit. The Chance Island Bob confirmed is, a, is like a thing in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But it's, it's always fun to see, like, you know, other bits of media. They're like, yeah, sure. Spider Man knows who Luke Skywalker is. <laughs> or knows what Luke Skywalker is as a concept, at least. Yeah. We can't wait for somebody to, like, you know, make some joke about that in some, like, kid version. Yeah. It'd be kind of funny. Well, the movie ends with Icarus flying into the sun. Which I thought was really stupid and super on the nose. Yeah, it was a little too on the nose. They had already referenced him and how Sprite had made up a story about him flying too close to the sun and losing his wings. All of these people have mythological names, but they like really spent time like, oh, we know the people won't know who Icarus is, which I don't know why. So we're going to really drive that one home. We don't need to explain Cersei or Gilgamesh, but like Athena and Icarus, they're just not going to get it. So we're going to have to like really drive those home. Everyone knows who Hephaestus is, but you know, we just really want to make sure that they remember that Icarus had wings that fell off because he flew too close to the sun. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> but again, to wrap this up, it was a good movie. It wasn't yeah, bad. If was you're thinking about watching it, I think it's worth the watch just to remain caught up. You know, I love to be in the know when things are referenced in other Marvel Content, So it's worth having the knowledge. It wasn't a bad movie. It just wasn't Marvel level. Yeah, and they referenced too many in-universe things for it to just exist on its own outside of the universe. Which is the bummer. Uh, which was, yeah, it was kind of dumb. Because, like, you know, 
there's just some like other superheroes would have been like, what the hell's going on over here? It just does not fit. And we points. we didn't even say when Harry Styles shows up in the end credits. Which, first of all, this is, like, is it, he can be whoever he wants. Like, he's always going to be Harry Styles. <laughs> in, in this, it's like, okay, there's Harry Styles in a, in a superhero suit. But he says he's Thanos' brother. Brother of Thanos. Excuse me? From Titan. Like, he was one of the guys on Titan. I just cannot. Okay, we're going to leave this here, because otherwise we could talk it's about so that dumb. forever. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about Marvel in our media break. As well as some other things, so let's get right into that. We have actually been watching things together this week, so we have some things to report here. We finished Jane the Virgin Season 1 and started Season 2. What did you think of Season 1, without spoiling anything? Jane the Virgin? Yeah. It was pretty good. Do you like it more than you expected you would? Yes. I'm entertained by it. I like the characters. I was worried it was going to be just, like, kind of meh. Yeah. I I remember starting it and kind of feeling the same, like, I don't know. But, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The setup of the show is fun. They're trying to make it telenovela-y, so yeah. it's a good time. We also started season eight of Love Island. Season eight? Yeah. When did seven happen? That was um the one that was... Uh, I thought that was six. Millie and Liam and... Um... Who were the other ones? Chloe and Toby. We watched it together, Peter. Yeah, I don't remember that one. They they do all kind of blur together because this is, you know, obviously I remember, a similar idea. I remember uh, the first season we watched, which was season five. Right, we didn't start with season one. And season six was in South Africa. Okay. I think. Yeah, that was the one that was kind of like a... The weird it was half shorter. Season. Yeah, it was like a winter one. That one was like Shanice and Luke and yeah, the Shanice. two Lukes. Anyway, so the whole idea of Love Island is just... We only watch UK. There's also Australia and US, but we personally don't have any interest in those, those uh, versions. You have a bunch of attractive people in a villa together and they're trying to couple up there's recouplings and if you win you get 50,000 pounds to either split or keep I don't know if they do it that way anymore actually but I don't know I want I want at some point someone to completely pull the wool over the public's eyes fabricate a relationship and then steal all the money at the end see they can't do that though because then they'd be like a social prior oh absolutely but it would be they would be my hero for, yeah, and for, only for breaking the breaking the contract of Low Island, basically. It would be hilarious. Anyway, we start season eight. The way they're doing it on Hulu is like there's already about two weeks out, but in America you're only getting one a day and it started like two weeks after the initial like show started because there's a lot of like voting you can do and stuff, so if you're watching on Hulu you can't do the voting, but we did start that, um, and we watched Moon Knight. Yes, we did. Now, we just talked about Eternals, and the reason we didn't like Eternals was because it was a, it was its own, like, you know, without any ties to the rest of this, the Marvel Universe, but still referencing other parts of the Marvel Universe, like, oh, why did you guys help? That kind of thing. Whereas Moon Knight has, like... Only the, like, 
shallowest references to other stuff that's happened in the cinematic universe. They bring up Madripoor at one point, which Autumn told me she didn't remember at the time. That's the place they go to in Falcon and the Winter Soldier um, when they're trying to with with either with Baron Zemo or against Baron Zemo. They're trying to find that uh, that weird like server in the you know stacks of shipping containers. It's that they they, they find Agent Carter there basically. That's where they you know we find out she's the power broker. But she's from Madripoor. It's like a like a criminal haven sort of thing. Um, but that's like the only reference I I found at least in this whole series, which was awesome because they just let us see this really cool comic story without making it like oh well how come another the Avengers have never seen any of the Egyptian god avatars before? It's like I don't care. <laughs> just gonna watch this really really cool story where Oscar Isaac is knocking it out of the park, acting as a person with multiple personalities. And it was really, it was really cool. Yeah, it was super well done. I was telling Peter what I love so much about Marvel is that everything is so well rounded. In that there are shows and movies where you have to know the context, and if you do, it it just feels so good and exciting. And then there are things like this where, as soon as we finished it, I emailed my dad and was like, "You and mom have to watch this. Like, you guys would love this." It's got the Egyptian mythology. It's Oscar Isaac. I really think you guys would like it. And you don't have to have any context for anything else Marvel to watch the show and really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I like that there's a mix of that. Like, I've told so many people, like, you should watch Shang-Chi. It's so good. You don't need to know anything. You can just watch it and enjoy it. And I like that you, you have all of that in Marvel. You yeah. can, like, sit down and watch everything if you want to. Or you can just go to a movie like that or watch a show like this with a friend and you don't have to be caught up. That's not true of a lot of franchises. So I like that that is true and I hope that it continues to be so. I think it will because they have so many characters that they can pull from. I just, I did not know that Moon Knight was based in Egyptian mythology and I am hooked. It was so good. All the Egyptian gods, the settings, eventually they end up in Cairo, like, ugh. It was so good. It was so atmospheric. I'm glad we watched it. I did know Moon Knight had to do with Egyptian mythology, but I didn't realize how much they would dig into it in this series. I figured it might get, like, backburnered a little and just make him, like, a weird multiple personality superhero, but this was really cool. Uh, Just, like, the visuals. The visual of Khonshu, the way they did his voice, um, the visual Mm -hmm. of Amit. Uh, It was just, it was really, really well done. And I highly recommend it if you haven't watched it, whether you know Marvel or not. Yeah, no, it, it was it was really good. Um, I think the... Oh, and so what we were watching, uh, Autumn was confused because there's a point towards the end where uh, there's another superhero that comes in to play. And you were... you want to talk about this on the podcast? I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you know, the superhero that only shows up for the last episode... Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather not because I don't want to spoil anything. Okay, so we're not going to spoil it, but I can explain this to you after the uh, media break is over because I actually I know the entire thing and why now. So anyway, that was cryptic, but my mother's already seen this, so we'll be able to talk to her about it. Um, hi, Mom. Uh, whenever uh, we come home in a couple yeah. of weeks. I think Izzy watched it too. So. Oh, that's good. She loves Oscar Isaac. Oscar Isaac is great. So, moving on to a little bit more Marvel, we're going to get into the things that just I 
watched and read this week, I am still doing my Marvel rewatch with my friend Michaela. And this week we watched Thor The Dark World, which I was really not looking forward to. It's been interesting, this rewatch, the first time I ever watched these movies with Peter when I was in, like, very early undergrad. I really liked Thor. He was my favorite. And I, like, hated Iron Man. And during this rewatch, I am, like becoming the biggest Iron Man fan and these Thor movies just are not doing it for me. Um, I was surprised by how less I liked the first one the second time around. And a big part of that is just the insta-love. And what is not so good about the Dark World is just that that's all it is. Is Thor and Jane have known each other for two non-consecutive days by the time of this movie and they're just so obsessed with each other and I personally am only caring about, you know, Thor and what's going on in Asgard. And instead you have to watch Jane and Darcy and, you know, the Earth scientists. And that just wasn't as interesting to me. So that felt a little bit disjointed. But Tom Hiddleston as Loki in this movie is great. He was better than I remembered him being. I mean, I always... He's amazing. And his performance as Loki and everything he does is incredible. But... It really made this movie worth the rewatch for me. I thought that he was just so funny and clever in this movie. And it's the first movie, like in the first Thor and then the Avengers, he really is like a bad guy. In the first Avengers, he's the main bad guy, which rewatching that is so funny to me because compared to the people that they fight in the future, it's like, okay, yeah, Loki is the bad guy. Um, but in the Dark World is where you start to see that like moral gray personality kind of develop, which was really cool. So I watched that. I have been watching Fresh Off the Boat a lot more than I was. I mean, I've been watching it since we started this podcast, but I have really gotten into it. Season three is so good. The characters are just so well developed. I have really been enjoying that. So I've been watching that. I think I read somewhere that the third season is really good. Your jokes aren't funny to me anymore. Oh, Fresh Off the Boat! I started The Real Housewives of Atlanta season 8, which... I've seen too many seasons of that show. And there's more to I'm, go. I think there's 13 on Hulu, oh and God. they're doing the 14th one now, so... Oh, God. In September, the next uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City comes up on Hulu, so I'll be watching that then. I finished the book I was reading, which was Kaikai by Vishnavi Patel, speaking of mythology with the Eternals and Moot Knight and all of that. This is based on Hindu mythology, the Ramayana. Um, in the Ramayana, Kaikai is Rama's... She is the third wife of the Raja, and Rama is another wife's son, but... These wives are very close and good friends, and they consider all... They all have sons, and they consider those sons to be all of theirs. Um, so the Ramayana is, you know, quite obviously the story of Rama and his adventures and his story. Um, and Kaikai kind of ends up banishing him. And this book takes a different look at her perspective and her story and why those events transpired the way that they did. It was really good. I rated four stars, and now I've moved on to reading The Love Hypothesis, which my sister picked out for us to buddy read this year. I am only four pages in, so I can't really say anything. It's some sort of, like, romance novel between PhD science students, and I'm listening to Watership Down. I'm about 30 minutes into the audiobook. Are you crying yet? No. 
Interesting. Okay. Is it my turn? Yep. All right. So I um, have been... Haven't read anything. I have been... What did I... What did I just stop, like, finish playing? I think I... I think we had finished playing Terraria and stuff like that before the... Like, well, not really. We didn't really finish. We just kind of abandoned it. It got a little too much. We were just getting a little tired of it. We burned ourselves out. Too bright, too fast. Um, but, so I jumped into a different game, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. This is the first Assassin's Creed game that I'm ever playing, and if anybody hears that, they're going to be upset with me because... The most recent three Assassin's Creed games, Origins, Odyssey, and Valhalla, are all, um, like, they're all based in this, in, like, prehistory, kind of, you know, like, BC-era stuff, um, whereas all the other Assassin's Creeds were, like, you know, in the, like, middle, like, after the Middle Ages, that kind of thing, like... 1400 B or 1400 like AD that kind of stuff um, AD come on common era CE um, and those are the ones that are like actually like you're trying to go you're like assassinating people and you're you're trying really hard to like you know figure out these puzzle like this like puzzle of like where the I, I know that there's like a trip a trilogy that's based in like Venice and Florence Italy right um, and you're dealing with the uh the Medici's and all that stuff. And it's very, like, you know, Assassins versus Templars, which are, like, these two different uh, secret society factions that have been fighting each other for centuries, right? But these most recent ones are, like, the origins of the Assassins, which was Assassin's Creed Origins. They, or, they originated, in like, in Egypt. It was an Egyptian thing, right? And then this is the one that's about Greece. But these games have been far less Assassins versus Templars and far more... Uh, we made a really cool historical action game. Would you like to run around in the world we created for a little while? It's ancient Greece. It's going to be cool as hell, I promise. And, yeah, I don't really care about the Assassin's Creed, like, lore. Um, but I really enjoy the... Uh, you're running around and it's ancient Greece. And it's super cool. It's really fun. Um, and, yeah, it's really fun to play. I play... The main character is Cassandra. Um, she's the canon main character. You can also pick Alexios if you want to play a male character um, for the campaign. Uh, but it is, it's really cool. Um, she's a, a Mystios, which is like a mercenary. Um, and uh, her like her grandfather was Leonidas. Uh, and you, you carry in this game as your assassin weapon the spear of Leonidas. It's like the, the, the very tip of his spear before he died at, uh, at, you know, in Thermopylae. Um, and uh, it's, it's really cool to like to, like, go through and, like, see all this stuff, because Greece, this is the Peloponnesian War. So Greece and the Peloponnesian War is, like, 470 B.C., roughly, right? That's, there's already been, like, three, four hundred years of, like, recordable history in Greece at that time, right? Like, the Persian War happened, you know, obviously your Leonidas's granddaughter, right? Um, and, like, so you're walking around in ancient Greece and you're still finding ruins and like these old like ruins. And there's this other side concept that there was this like alien race that brought down and there's a bunch of like really old, old stuff. Either aliens or just a previous race, um, which leans into Herodotus and like all of his like, 
in some of his books, he references like a, a more ancient race than um, this is not. None of this is actually confirmed historically stuff, but this is like stuff that is actually in Herodotus's histories. That this like more ancient race he talks about having existed before the Mycenaean Greeks and the Minoan Greeks and all that stuff. But it's really cool to just like look through all this. It's like super interesting. Um, but I'm playing that, and it's really fun. Um, and uh, as as Autumn says, most mostly what I do in the game is climb rocks and kill people. Um, because that's what you do. You climb all over these Greek islands, which are most very rocky, right? That's just how stuff in the Med is. Um, and uh, you <laughs> you kill people. <laughs> I'm fighting Spartans. I'm fighting Athenians. I don't give a shit. If you if you if you if you aggro me, you die. <laughs> this is my plan anyway. Usually it goes well. But I'm having a lot of fun with that. Um, and I have been watching anime with my friends. Um, I haven't really been doing much. But uh, the anime I've been watching, I watched, I finished up the um, Life in Otome games is hard for a mob, Isekai, um, really enjoyed that, I, uh, I rated that like a 7 out of 10 on my anime list, I think, um, I watched, uh, I mean, I don't know what I may rate it on my, my anime list, I'll have, to, I'll have to look later, it doesn't matter. Um, I, I also, I finished up watching, um, suppose a, suppose a guy from the last dungeon boonies, suppose a, what is it, like a, suppose a kid from the last dungeon boonies moves to the starter town, finished that one, that one was funny, it was, it was entertaining, um, but I didn't like the story as much as I liked Otome games, it's just really funny to see a protagonist who comes from the real world, and it's like, why, why here? Please don't make me be here. I don't want to be the. I don't want to be in this world. And he just and really annoyed that he's in this video game. But I already talked about that last week. Um, but so I finished both of those. I'm halfway through another series called Skeleton Knight. In another world, I think is what the full title is. Everyone just calls it Skeleton Knight. Um, you, you, there was this guy who was playing video games. He got jumped into the game he was playing or the world of the game he was playing. Right. Um, and he has all this high-tier endgame stuff and the ability to cast a bunch of different spells. But because when he was playing the game, he had his avatar be a look like a skeleton with the like the like his like like fake like made up roleplay backstory that he was cursed. Um, and when he's in this world, he's actually cursed to look like a skeleton, which is a problem for him because random people would just be like, "Holy shit, that's a bat! Like that's an undead skeleton. It's try it's gonna try to kill us. I don't trust it." And he's got to, like, wear his armor the whole time to just, like, pretend he's just at night. Um, and that's really entertaining. It's, it's still, There's a big subplot right now of um, elf... Like, the elves in the world are being enslaved by these, like, asshole humans. And he's trying to... They're trying to, like, figure that figure it out um, both diplomatically and by, you know, killing the slavers. Very interesting. Uh, and then I'm also watching... I'm still watching Platinum End. I watched a couple more episodes with my buddy Emer. Um, it's, it's still not good. <laughs> It's 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 really dumb. It's bad. Um, the idea that all these god candidates are also like super suicidal just it, it's just really stupid. It it doesn't make any sense. Um, and uh, every time they try to make a, a villain look good by giving him that fleshed up backstory, I'm just like I don't care. I mean, my, my, I'm like I'm like Emer, we're gonna finish this series, and I'm gonna make fun of it the entire time because <laughs> of how, how like poorly you know written it is. So that's pretty much it, I think. I didn't really. Oh, I start. I'm. I just started the first episode of Umbrella Academy season three. 
Um, I like I really like the second season. The first season was okay, um, and I'm just you know I, I'm I'm here for the next season. You know I'll watch it. Should be interesting. I think that's about it for me. You ever just tell an entire church full of people that your grandmother's last words to you or that you needed to learn how to suck dick better? Because <laughs> that's what happened to the protagonist in our second movie this week, Summer 03. Um, Summer 03. Would, first of all, what did you think anything about this? Would you? Uh... I rated this underwhelming. I rated it entertaining. I thought it was fine. Um, it had... So Summer 03, the base plot summary is this this girl's grand girl played by Joey King, Jamie Winkle, right? They all this is the Winkle family. And uh oh man. Um Dottie Winkle, the grandmother, is dying. She's on her deathbed. And in order to alleviate her conscience before she dies, she drops a whole shitload of like awful family secret truth bombs on everybody and it's just really horrible generally um and one of them to the main character joey or make our jamie is that the secret to go to like was it happiness in life or something like that or something there's something she wishes that she'd been told earlier is that you need to learn how to give a good blow job but that's after she tells her after she tells her that she got her secretly um, baptized baptized into a Catholic church as a girl who's half Jewish um, without her parents' knowledge. Right? So, it, it's very much a, like a, and then it gets all, it's all like artsy with like a, like the, the main like thing that they repeat at the beginning and the end of the movie is like, you never really remember what happens during the summer. And I, I thought the, the art stuff was actually really cool. Like, there's a lot of like, like, like fun like cinematic shots and like her just like sort of narrating a little bit. Um, yeah, that's the whole plot. She learns so in the summer, she learns how to give a blowjob. Um, she blows this kid who's about to be a priest. Uh, figures out that he's just using her as like the last girl he has sex with before he becomes a priest. Um, and uh, like you know, treats her friends like shit, and then at the end, kind of apologizes with the like. With this big like public speaking thing inside the church during her grandmother's funeral and telling everybody that, you know, all this stuff, and it, it, I thought it was fun. What did you think? Um, I didn't really like it that much. There were definitely some things that I did like. Um, it's a pretty typical coming of age mm-hmm. movie, I think, but it deals with some themes and has some small plot points to it that I think aren't explored often in coming-of-age films, so I did like that. Like, the death of a grandparent. Yeah. I have not seen a lot of movies or read a lot of books where this happens to someone in high school, but it is so common. It is something that people go through at that age all the time. Mm -hmm. So to see someone kind of trying to... Obviously, this is a very extreme case, because her grandmother, on top of saying all the things Peter mentioned, she also tells her son, Jamie's father, that who he thought his father was is not his father. So he goes to Germany and finds his supposed real father and, you know, kind of leaves without warning. And she tells Jamie's mom, Shira, that she never liked her, although they kind of already knew that because she was sort of racist (laughs) against or anti-Semitic against her. And, um, but that loss and the idea of that 
is a theme I don't feel is touched on very often. I really loved Jamie's relationship with her cousin, Dylan. That's another thing that I don't think comes across in a lot of media is this idea of being really close to your cousins. Mm -hmm. Um, We come from a very small town, so it is super common to just be around people who are very close with their cousins, if that makes sense. Um, Our stories are a little different, but as far as because I'm significantly older than a lot of my cousins and you, your cousins live not, you know, you are also older. I have like almost no close by cousins where I grew up. But it's something I've seen. I have a lot of friends who are very, very close with their cousins and just the relationship between the two of them is almost like a brother sister kind of relationship, which I really liked. And then also this idea of exploring religion. That's also something that I don't see a lot in coming-of-age stories. Um, the way she does it sure is a something, but, you know, she decides she wants to go to church. She tries that out. There is this whole idea of, like, her mom is Jewish, but she doesn't go to temple. Is she still Jewish? And, you know, Jamie's like, am I Jewish? Am I Catholic? Am I nothing? Like, just trying to explore that idea. This is what my grandmother wanted. Is that's what that what's right for me? Um, so I liked all of those themes. Overall, I didn't feel like I could really connect with any of the characters. Um, a lot of the plotline was very basic, specifically just the way that Jamie treats her friend March. It was very senior year in the way that that went. Like, she has this friend March, he's really into her, she treats him like garbage, and then they end up together at the end. It was very much like Stephanie and Seth in the Rebel Wilson senior year movie. Um... There wasn't enough Paul Shear, which is the whole reason Peter picked this movie was because of Paul Shear. <laughs> Paul Shear plugged it on uh, on his How Did This Get Made podcast, and I was like, "Oh shit, that sounds cool." Yeah, and then he leaves halfway through the movie. He does eventually come back, but I had just reached a point where I was like, "Is that it? Is there no more Paul Shear?" <laughs> and then he does come back um, with his anti-Semitic father. <laughs> And just expects to let his father live in their house without, like, running it by his wife first. Yeah, that was fucking weird. I how, I don't know how you'd be able to, like... <laughs> the, the, like, lack of, of, of regard for, for his wife's feelings in that moment was just like, are you, wow. I was like, wow. To just go, oh, yeah, you know, I brought this ailing German man back from... Frankfurt, Germany, and, uh... He has cancer. He's going to need a lot of care. Yeah, we're doing it now. You know, instead of Germany where it's free, we're going to do it here where it's extremely expensive. Oh, I think my... my the, the main joke I made about this movie that I didn't laugh at enough, um, let me be totally honest with you, was that um, the explanation for how all these people do such crazy things in this movie and why it's so, like, wacky is because it's Ohio. <laughs> Because they're in Cincinnati. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that makes sense. They're all from Ohio. I get it now. And you didn't think that was funny. But that's very funny. I've heard enough Ohio jokes in my life. Yeah. They're all the same. Yeah, it's about Ohio, how Ohio is a Mad Max shithole, basically. But, you know, it's funny. I felt very uncomfortable through the majority of this movie. And that is because... Of all of this stuff with this kid who wants to be a priest. Mm-hmm. It was just very... I, I told Peter, and he didn't really have the same um, reaction as me. But as, you know, we are Catholic. We were raised Catholic. And so to, like, 
watch, try to watch this stuff in like a more outside view. Like she walks into the church at one point and is just like messing with the stuff on the altar. And like the, the child who was raised Catholic in me is like, oh, like I can't believe she's doing that. Um, and then all of this stuff with the boy who's the priest. I'm like, how could you even like go there but i guess you know the idea is she knows nothing about catholicism so it's like not nearly as taboo for her it's like oh he's cute and he likes me so i'll just see how it goes she doesn't have the like she knows all she knows is he's not a priest yet yeah so she's like eh. <laughs> and like what makes it a little more deeply messed up is that there's definitely an age difference right She's, what, 17? I think she's 16. 16? Yeah. Yeah. She's 16. Uh, in order to become a, a Catholic priest, you got to be in your mid-20s. I didn't know that. Basically. Um, he's, not, he's not just like a... He's not like her age and about to be a priest next year. He's like in his 20s and about to be a priest next year. Or in, in a day. It's supposed to be... He's supposed to be... Uh, just about to be a priest. I had... I have a cousin who became a priest and he went through like a full college program right and then there's the years of seminary afterwards um and maybe he was just going to seminary or something he wasn't actually going to be ordained did they talk about him being ordained the next day or something yeah the day yeah. after her grandma's yeah. funeral it would ex it would make sense if he was about to go to seminary because that's like the step you take outside of high school or maybe outside of college if you I mean, I'm sure you can become a priest without getting a theology degree, right? Right. A lot of people get theology degrees first. Yeah, but other um, people get, like, education degrees and yeah. things like that. Because a lot of priests teach yeah. either at the college level or high school. And the, the, the idea that he's going to be ordained the next day after her grandmother's funeral where she, like, basically destroys his career, which is absolutely justified because he's got to be... It's basically statutory rape at that point. Um, like... Or more. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, there's a point where she realizes when 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 he's like, oh, like this was just for fun. That I think she kind of like is like, oh shit, this guy just basically abused me, kind of. Yeah, she says she loved him, which makes you feel like watching this from an adult perspective. Thing, you're yeah. like, that is so sad because she like really genuinely thought that he he loved her too, and yeah. she loved him. Yeah, it's, it's real messed up. And obviously, she's going through it, so this is probably quite a like emotional experience for her, not yeah. really thinking things through as much. Yeah, I don't know. It was that whole relationship made me super uncomfortable. Yeah, and that's a big reason I just couldn't rate this movie as highly was just because the whole time I was just kind of like cringing. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I I guess I I really like the reason I give it entertaining. I also get it memorable. Um, was just because the last scene was so good with her, like, you know, basically just, like, spilling the beans, right? About how her grandmother was, about how this kid, like, you know, abused her and, like, and, like, ruined his life. About how the priest would agree to secretly baptizing somebody behind mm -hmm. their back because it was that priest, Right. Um, that was pretty good. That was, that was pretty wild. But yeah. Do you have anything else for this movie? I don't think so. Alright, this is a, a bit of a shorter one. But yeah, it, it was a short movie. It was like an hour and a half long, you know. Very artsy. 
Uh, a lot of really cool visuals and like you know I really like the like I, you know just like the, the the glamour shots of just like the area and her talking about summer and shit like that was like it was nice. Yeah, Peter said this was his favorite Joey King performance. Yes, I have to just give a plug. I love Joey King in the act, which is a biopic series um, based on Gypsy Rose. I highly recommend her performance is just absolutely incredible. I also really like her in Ramona and Beezus when she was a child playing Ramona Quimby because she just like embodied her perfectly. Hmm. But your experience is what? This and the kissing this booth? This and the kissing booth and the kissing booth too, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Peter and I have a, a long standing tradition of um, watching the kissing booth movies and getting plastered while we, while we watch them. <laughs> Because it's the only way they're entertaining, is when you get drunk while, while watching So we have, we have not watched the third one yet. We'll see when that... you got to mentally prepare for that kind of night, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for listening this week. We're changing things up a little bit. You won't notice a difference, um, just because we're going to be going back to see family for the summer. So this is the week. We're recording this on June 26th. We are going to be... So this episode will go up the next Wednesday, but next Wednesday we'll also be recording an episode for the next Wednesday. I don't even know how to explain this. Like I said, it's not going to make any difference for you. (laughs) Still episodes every Wednesday. Yep. So we'll see you next Wednesday. See ya.